0: welcome to the feel good running podcast no matter what level runner you are and whether you prefer road or trail running or both You will find this podcast informative, motivating, inspiring, and entertaining. We have interesting guests, running related information, inspirational stories about real runners, and much more. Now, here's your host and a longtime runner himself, Jim Lynch. Well, hello, runners, and welcome
1: to the Feel Good Running Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Lynch. so happy you're here. This is episode number 81, and we're just about through July. Well, our guest for this episode is Julia Beckley from here in Denver, Colorado. Now, who is Julia Beckley? Well, you're going to find out in just a little bit, so hang in there. Hey, you know what? The summer has been really hot. So I hope your training's going well because we're very close to entering the fall race season. However, you know, last year and the year before, there was hardly any races out there. It seems like in Denver, there's a race every weekend, a 5K, maybe a 10K. And even this past weekend, if you remember 10 years ago in Denver, there was that theater shooting. Well, they put on a 5K race in honor of those that lost their lives at that theater in Aurora, Colorado. I mean, races everywhere that signify something for everybody. I was just involved with a race. It was a trail race, an endurance race for 12 hours. It was called Chase the Moon. And that was an all-nighter. Now, I didn't run it. I was working it the entire night. And it was a lot of fun. So, man, the running world is definitely back. And I hope you're enjoying your entry into the running world if you're new and if you're already a seasoned runner, I'm sure you're glad that there's races back. So enjoy them and uh, I'm sure you're training for fall races. So hang in there. Hopefully we'll start seeing a little bit cooler temperatures around the country, but who knows? Now I got a couple of announcements. One is one that I mention all the time in my podcast episodes and that if you could please do me a solid and share this podcast with your running friends and on your social media networks. It really helps the show to grow. And if you are hearing this through a Apple podcast subscription, if you could leave a, you know, a star review, that would be great. Uh, Five stars works for me, but you know, you do what you want to do and then stay tuned. I am taking a class right now, an online class, Regarding YouTube, and I plan to launch a YouTube channel in the next few months. So, yeah, you're probably going to see my mug at some point, and uh, it's going to be the Feel Good Running YouTube channel. So, we'll see what happens with that. I find YouTube very intriguing. So anyway, keep a lookout and thank you very much for your support of the Feel Good Running podcast. Well, runners, I subscribe to Runner's World Online and receive email newsletters with some excellent articles and usually receive them about once a week. And I read one recently about calming your nerves before a race. Now, all of us runners are very familiar with that. You know, you get the pre-race jitters before the race and it can start as far back as a few weeks prior to your race, but you know, it intensifies more and more, especially a day or two prior. Those jitters just wreak havoc on your nerves. Now I've completed 101 full marathons and several halves, 10 Ks and 5 Ks. I can honestly say that I got the pre-race jitters before each and every one of them. It doesn't go away. For me, it became a little bit more manageable, but the jitters are still there. And you know what it's like. Your stomach is upset. You have to go to the bathroom several times. You're wondering if you're going to be able to complete your race. Am I trained enough? Um, am I just here under the imposters syndrome? You know, like I don't deserve to be here, even though I did months and months and months of training. And you get to the start line and you're just all nervous until it starts and you get through that first half mile or maybe mile and those jitters just go away, at least for most of us. Now, Runners World coach PJ connected with a Runners World Plus member, Sierra Corvin of Farwell, Texas, who recently completed the Missoula Half Marathon and wanted to know how to manage her pre-race jitters. The first question she asked Coach PJ was, how can I keep from working myself too hard during race week? And PJ answered her, settle in. It's what I tell myself when I give too much attention to the voices that take me away from the performance mindset that I need going into a race. As you continue to count down to race day and navigate your work demands, take a walk and focus break once per hour throughout the workday to block out the noise and drown out the what ifs you may be obsessing over. You also want to stay focused on only the task at hand, not on the entire day or week ahead of you. Be efficient so you avoid feeling overwhelmed with mounting to-do lists. The sooner you sap your stress before race day, the more comfortable you'll feel at the starting line. So next, Sierra asked, what can I do to stay relaxed on the eve of my race? Oh my gosh, the eve, that's the tough one. PJ responded, I really like to emphasize mobility, stretching, and yoga. You likely incorporated these items throughout your training and you want to continue doing that the night before. I do recommend that you back off a few points in intensity to avoid becoming too loose in your muscles. The goal is to keep maintaining a fluid range of motion while doing these things. Close your eyes as you move through movements and picture yourself beginning the race, cresting hills, turning on your version of fast and proudly crossing the finish line. But don't just visualize the good stuff. You should also picture yourself at the moment when a race gets tough, struggling to push past the halfway point and making that final turn towards the finish while your tank is almost empty your nerves will be more at ease if you've already gone through those moments in your head remember what you sacrifice to get to the starting line of the race as you prepare to go to bed and as you get positioned in the race corral play the highlight reel in your head of positive moments you experience throughout your training New friends, new experiences, more profound relationships, new shoes and gear, and more. Allow those great memories to keep you calm and lift you up. And finally, Sierra asked, how should I approach the morning of my big race? Well, PJ responded, while there's little you can do from a physical standpoint to positively contribute to your race day at this stage, after all, your training is already done. There are ways you can still harm your performance, such as practicing negative self-talk. Remember that in training, you've already covered large portions of the same distance ahead of you. For a half marathon, you've flogged more than 10 miles a number of times. While running 13.1 or whatever your race distance all at once may be new to you, your weeks of training have prepared you to cover the entire distance. Don't worry. We runners often have to remind ourselves and try our best to believe it in real time that we are ready. You've got this. Now, one comment that I'd like to interject here is that I personally know a few people that have sabotaged their race by mentally just crushing themselves. They got too worried, too wrapped up mentally, and their race implodes. Don't go there. Just go out and enjoy it. You did the training. You have everything prepared when you come up to the start line. So once it starts, the jitters go away. So just enjoy your race. That's all you got to do. Cool? Yeah, cool. I put a link to this Runner's World newsletter in the show notes for this episode at feelgoodrunning.com. You may be able to view the article, but it might require a subscription. Not sure. I get no financial benefit if you subscribe, but it's nice to receive these emails and keep up with everything running. All right, Julia Beckley. Hmm. Most of us runners put on our running shoes, head out the door, and go for a run. Not Julia Beckley from here in Denver. Julia is a superwoman, a push rim athlete. And a push rim is basically a specialized wheelchair with rims that can be pushed. Now for Julia just to get out there for a push rim run or race is a huge ordeal. She takes several medications and must plan for anything that could possibly happen, not only for a training run, but especially a race. See, Julia was an active athlete when she was young. Between the ages of 8 and 27, she broke over 42 bones, and at the age of 11, she had extreme allergic reactions. Now, the bone condition is called hypophosphatasia, which is a rare condition inherited from parents, which prevent your bones and teeth from developing the right way, making them more likely to form incorrectly or to break. In addition, Julia suffers from other conditions, which you'll soon find out. She is so inspirational. She never quits and has a determination like you wouldn't believe. She challenges herself each and every day, regardless of the obstacles she must deal with. Julia has completed races from a 5K to full marathons and even a 50K and 100 miler. When you listen to our conversation, you no longer have an excuse to slack off on your running. Or anything else, actually. I sat down with Julia, along with Eddie Perez and Josh Gomez, who were on our support team. We did this at Runner's Roost on Colorado Boulevard in Denver. Now... The audio in some areas might be a little funky and noisy since it was after the normal Wednesday night run club and there is some people around, but it should be fine and you should be able to hear everything just fine. So now here is me talking to the amazing and inspirational Julia Beckley. Enjoy. We're at your home court right here at Runner's Roost.
2: Yeah, I don't know if it's my home court.
1: What would your home court be?
2: Probably Wash Park.
1: Wash Park? Okay. On Monday nights, right?
2: Yep, Monday nights, 6 p.m. Yeah. In front of the rec center.
1: Cool. Some
2: people don't choose to support athletes with disabilities and never show up, but not naming any names today.
1: Ah. All right, we're starting off like that already, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know those people,
3: whoever they are. No idea. I wow. <laughs> have no
1: idea who I they mean, are.
2: obviously, Josh and Eddie, like, we really do it for your Eddie, though. It's all for Eddie. All
3: for Eddie?
2: <laughs> yep. It says make a wish. We
1: have to support the hair. <laughs> There you go. Stop
2: it. <laughs> Josh and I came up with this whole plan a couple years ago at a bar. Josh forgot. Here we are.
1: Wow. So, uh... We just finished, or you just finished your run tonight. You were doing uh, some medication there. <laughs> Tell me about what you got going on right there.
2: Uh, so, I have a lot. That's wrong. That's okay. Um, I have, like, one of my primary conditions is called angioedema. can be called idiopathic angioedema, hereditary angioedema, mast cell activation disorder, urticaria, and, like whatever uh, comes down to I swell up and lose my upper airway um, frequently enough that I have a hole in my throat for it. Um, So I have to take a lot of antihistamines. And so I um, fell out of remission uh, almost two years ago after a surgery. And since then um, we had to stop something that was also really important for remission. So now I have a line in my chest 24 seven that I have to take emergency meds through or pre-treat with Um, I have asthma so I always am doing inhaler stuff with that, breathing treatments and then um, one of the more fun things that has happened over the past year is I've had significant blood sugar issues so I went for a run I think it was Monday night and I did everything by the book for me, ate um, at least 1,500 calories within eight hours before my run, was eating before, eat during, ate after, and it was an easy six or seven. Um, and then I I always like to have like a pb ready to go, so I pop them in the freezer and take with. Ate that after, and three hours later, I was back at home, and my sugar went from uh, 125 to 70 in a matter of like six minutes which as much as I have been dismissive of that issue uh, that's not normal and so um, that's a work in progress issue that can be pretty scary because that can lead to me not knowing what I'm doing where I am or what's going on and uh, I think the hardest thing for anyone who's going to support me is being okay with <sighs> those moments and not um not immediately turning into panic uh like oh my god she doesn't know you know like overall I think my best friend says it really well he's like look you survived 21 25 years without me (laughs) like at the end of the day I gotta let that go I gotta not be the one that's always gonna like worry I you know, um, the friends who stick around are the ones that uh, are, are good and that they like challenge like, hey, maybe that's not a good idea or hey, let's do it this way, whatever. But they're also not waiting for everything to go wrong all the time.
1: Well, you're so, in control most of the time,
3: right?
2: Yeah, I think um, the dynamic that hit in the past 18 months was um, some concussion issues and then... Um, Uh, learning how to appropriately run in heat, um, poorly using electrolytes originally, lots of things that made it a challenge. But I mean, at hour 36 of an ultra, uh, this was back in Vegas in April of last year. Um, I don't know many people who are super gonna be okay, but I think, uh, as another friend says, me losing my ability to communicate what I need or articulate or give information is crisis. Like, um, so if I'm starting to hallucinate, <laughs> that's very different than if Courtney De hallucinating.
1: Right. Right.
2: Um, and so that's, there's been a lot of work in progress and I'm not good at it all. I, still end up sick I still end up crashing and we're working on it so
1: well let's get back in let's go back into your life but first I just want to let everybody know we're at runner's roost on Colorado Boulevard in Denver and we're here with uh Julie which I introduced you before we even started this and uh Eddie Perez and Josh Gomez so welcome everybody to the podcast thank you yeah absolutely so let's talk about when you were young. When did this all start? You were an athlete. You were tennis, big time tennis. Your great uncle got you into it, which I know that you really respect based on what I've read about you. And, um, and then you were doing some swimming too, but that, that kind of didn't work out very well. But let, tell me how this all came about <laughs> to where you uh, you started having your conditions here?
2: So, um, like official doctors paying attention, things, the trackable events, I would say probably first broken bone was at eight. So that's probably a marker, but um, I mean for totally open about like using layman's terms and uh, comedy and everything. So I like, started, being messed up from the get-go. I was the youngest child in, like, Colorado at the time to need orthodontic work at age a year and a half because my airway was smaller than it should be. And so it involved, like, moving bones and things like that, ultimately through braces and other processes. But... um,
1: Was this hereditary?
2: It's more than likely, yes. Um, And it's a trait that's being explored under the genetic bone disorder I have, which is hypophosphatasia. Um, That bone disorder is most uh, recognized by dentists and orthodontists before um, primary care, or it used to be that way, Um, because, uh, because a lot of trail markers have to do with teeth, but ultimately breaking bones is...
1: The uh, the definition of uh, how do you pronounce that again?
2: Hypophosphatasia.
1: Phosphatasia. It's a rare condition inherited from your parents, which is interesting. Keeps your bones and teeth from developing the right way and making them more likely to form incorrectly or break. And based on what I read about you, you've broken forty two bones between the ages of eight and twenty seven. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I just had my most recent one, too. Uh, I think, what, June 1st? Okay, April, May. Coming up on the end of June, I'm almost eight weeks out from when I broke my last big break. Um, I definitely have had some stress fracture, pain issues from life choices recently, but that's the most recent.
1: But when you were playing tennis, you were doing pretty well for a long time, right?
2: Yeah, for the most part. Um, I... Night. Spent my freshman season in the Icy Wit Children's. Um, my sophomore season was great in high school, um, but then I had a tendon tear, and then I had four stress fractures that all happened within a year period. And weren't healing, long story short. Um, went back to the Mayo Clinic again, did workups and... Uh, Here we are, I have HPP. Um, My dad and I share the same exact, what's called genotype. So our genetic marker that is off is the exact same. Um, And it's really not super understood. Well, I guess I haven't been reading literature recently, Um, but previously it wasn't understood like what genetic mutation caused what problems. But then if you look at my dad and I, it's OK. Well, he didn't start breaking bones until the past like six years, really. I mean, he's had other breaks, that, traumatic breaks that whatever. Um, and I think when you look at us, it's like, well, why would that same exact mutation present differently? And that's where we talk about phenotype, which is that presentation of um, the genetic material expression. And whether it's because I was more active than him growing up or um, also I mean I started ending up on high-dose steroids by age 10 off and on and so I think that um, it's hard to know where and why and um, I'm a favorite of like the top docs who like to kick around my case then think about it and we have conversations every other year and
1: so help me understand so breaking bones is one thing but what about stress fractures is that a whole different area too
2: um so it's under the same disease and it's the result um, stress fractures are probably the most easiest thing to happen for breaking bones wise for me Um, and that's because the bones are softer it's the other condition called OI, or Osteogenesis Imperfecta, brittle bone disease, is a little bit different. But overall, they are sister diseases in many ways of, I break easily. Um, And sometimes it's like super obvious I have a break. Other times it's, oh, you've had a broken bone for six weeks now. (laughs) And um, being a super active kid, I didn't really ever like stop for pain tons of times you know um, even with my first broken bone I forced myself to run home from the bus stop because a doctor this is AJ was like yeah it's just a pull of muscles like sweet cool week of crutches gone bye let's do this and eight weeks later I've been pogo sticking around playing soccer playing volleyball or whatever and uh, couldn't deal with pain and what do you know there was a nice clean break.
1: It's got to be really tough when you're athletic and you have soft bones and any small thing I think you even said you punched a cardboard box once (laughs) and you broke or or fractured your Mm -hmm. hand or wrist
2: yep that was a recent one that was uh my poor last job's eye-opening to we should do things a little bit differently with Julia than we do other people
1: but yeah. yeah oh well so you haven't been really in the running world for a long time 2019 tell me how you got involved and i know that uh push rim is really really big for you right now
2: yeah um i grew up we actually uh have done every single susan g komen 5k um and then as a family uh like races were a thing there's a race called Bloomsday that i did for my fifth birthday i think or something eighth birthday whatever and it's up in
1: washington state yeah and
2: ironically that's another big wheelchair race too so um that was just kind of like being active there but i had in 2018 i had friends who i was like getting close with that they all were doing five k's together and um one of them he uh, would visit me in the hospital a lot so he drove down To Denver, spent the day with me in the hospital, and it was like right after they had just done a 5K as a group together. In the back of my head, I was like, I want to do that. I don't like I don't want to be here, I want to do that. And so it's an ongoing journey of figuring out how to how to do that. Um I started back like on my feet, but not like really getting to train much. Yeah. And ultimately the last 5k I did was the Colorado Marathon 5K on my birthday like four years ago, I guess. Three and uh yeah three stress fractures from that one and that wasn't like tons of training it wasn't overdue it was just like that was that was the line what year
1: did you do bloomsday
2: uh 2002
1: oh okay so you weren't doing chair at that time you were actually no
2: i looked at doing it this year because it's been 20 years but yep i was on my feet um i may or may not have gotten in trouble a few times i guess for dropping my parents on race days um or friends apparently I won a 5k at one point and I was not allowed to receive my trophy and somewhere in their attic I guess that uh um yeah so my so, mother
1: likes to bring it up so was Achilles International is that how you got into push
2: um I had a friend who does all the Disney races and I had a rough week, bought plane tickets to go watch her, got too sick to do it, and then said, okay, what do I need to do to change that? And here we are, three years later, I worked (laughs) my tush off to be okay to do races and Achilles though, was my big game changer I did my first 15k with them and we went out for lunch after and I was talking to Amelia and Dan and was like can I do a half marathon totally untrained with only having done a 15k in two weeks and they're like yeah absolutely go for it and um, I did and it's been my home spot it's been probably the most important part of my world.
1: Achilles International. Yeah,
2: yeah the and Colorado you, chapter. On
1: Monday night, you run from Wash Park here in Denver. Yep. They have three chapters in Colorado, Boulder, Denver, and Pikes Peak. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you started, you had to borrow a chair from Craigs Hospital because yep. there was only two chairs that you could borrow in the state of Colorado at that time, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually in one of their borrowed chairs right now. Uh, because I got hit by a car April first, and my chair is still not fixed. So, hmm.
1: tell me about the car. I, I wanted to get that towards the end of the end of the podcast, but why don't you tell me about how that happened? <laughs> Were you involved with that? No. That was, that okay. Was not that. You didn't hit her, did you? <laughs>
2: no. I, I heard about it during the race,
1: but that's about it.
2: Concerned. I'm like, uh, oh man. Uh, so. I was uh, doing a five-hour training run at Wash Park. I did, I think, three before Achilles, an hour with Achilles. I was going to do an hour after, and I was in Julia true form stressing the F out over an upcoming race. I was going to head out to Tennessee to do pistol uh, two weeks later. Uh, Got hit by the car um, in the parking lot. Guy pinned me against my car in my racing chair, bent the wheels. Um and I spent like six weeks trying to get insurance information from him versus like he I had all his contact info so it wasn't a big deal, but uh he was trying to tell me it was my fault that I my my chair was under his car. He's trying to tell me that um
1: whatever. So How did that happen? I mean
2: he um oh. was uh not wise and wasn't paying attention. Um, I was parallel parked in front of Wash Park. There was six feet between the back of my car and the front of his, and I was in those six feet in my racing chair. And, like, lights were on all over my car, lights were on in my racing chair, everything, on my helmets and everything, so... Yeah, that was uh, crappy. I, for a few days, was like, well, crap, I don't know if I can get new wheels in time. I don't know if XYZ actually had a flare of my other immune conditions because of it. Um, Ultimately lost my job April 2nd because of it. Um, And I was like, okay, well, I can just borrow a racing chair from Craig though. I'll just borrow a racing chair from Craig and see what I want to do or I'll go do it in my day chair. So here I was, I had just coached in Yuma, Colorado on a Wednesday night on April 1st, I think it was, drove back down um, to Denver and at 10 o'clock was going for a run. I don't remember what was coming up. I think it was... What was coming up—a half marathon or something? Preparing for Colfax, whatever—and I, the foot plate popped off, and I crashed and broke my arm. And no one was around, and I had to crawl back to my cell phone, and uh, that was not a good day.
3: Wow!
1: So
2: uh, we've learned some lessons about keeping watches charged, keeping everything, having more. I mean, I was right next to the fire station, so it wasn't.
1: Yeah, that that it was not fun. For you. So well let's let's get to some more positive things and getting hit by a car <laughs> um let's get let's get into your races because you're a very impressive woman julia and you know the things that you have accomplished so far you've uh let's see you've done uh a heck of a lot of races even a hundred miler yep so tell me about your was it your first race was a human race 5K up in Fort Collins. Yeah,
2: Yeah, Human Race, uh, selfish plug here. It's coming up again August 5th and 6th in a month.
1: And you organize that now, don't you?
2: I do. I'm the director of the AWD side for Human Race and Mountain Avenue Mile. And um, I had just gotten home from North Dakota or South Dakota with sepsis. Um, I had a broken foot and was on crutches at the time and like, life was not good. It's on an IV antibiotics and I texted my rec therapist and said, Hey, can I borrow the chair for next, for a race in a week? And he was like, yeah, sure. Go for it. And, um, so I looked up the course and it was a mile and a half of a hundred feet of incline, which is nothing. Um, if you are seasoned maybe? Not even. You just if you're just not me. Uh and then <laughs> a mile and a half a down and so I emailed the race director and she was quick to be like, oh yeah, absolutely come do it. We hit off a great relationship and um I always kept her in the know of like what I was up to. I've done a lot of her races and last year with return of everything with COVID a month before like it was July 4th and we I think it was a lot August 11th was what we we're gonna do, shoot it for and just like I haven't decided yet if we're still gonna do it you know we, I don't know if we can afford to do it etc and I was like okay well what <laughs> my response of course is like okay well what's the cost difference and what would it take and she's like you're just gonna fund it and I was like I mean like well, would like I find a way Like, <laughs> we're not gonna not have it um, and the human race kind of has a cool story where Uh, It was started by a guy who went to the New York City Marathon and fell in love with that and wanted to bring it back to Colorado. So I think with my New York Roadrunner's journey, it's kind of a special tie for me. And I did it in 37 minutes. I couldn't open my hands, I think, the next day or move my arms much. Um, I'd only done three laps around a track before that. And uh, then I just went for it with life. And I was... 75 pounds heavier than I am now I think maybe only 50 and so the chair I was in was too short too small in width and everything's so like it chewed through my clothes to start and now it's cool because that chair is still very too small for me but not in the width so
1: yeah uh, that was your first entry into uh, into the world of uh a push rim
2: yeah it was scared out of my mind hitting that start line but but,
1: but you kept going after that
2: oh yeah oh yeah
1: and look at all the races that you've done now you had some issues uh, and i don't want to go back to your issues but 20 and uh 20 year year 2020 and part of 21 you had some uh real issues medically Mm -hmm. Um, but you still in that period of time were able to get in races
2: yes um, I think I ruminate over whether what should have could have been done sometimes. Um, mainly because the thing that hurts the most is if someone else is impacted by my choices yeah. um, on any level. And so that was tough. I ended up with heat exhaustion and hallucinations and bad stuff in Vegas and. April of last year before that I had had a concussion because I was hit by a skateboarder at Wash Park who was on an e-skateboard Maybe
1: you shouldn't run at Wash Park (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm just kidding I mean, you're not wrong all of the (laughs) things that have gone wrong (laughs) are all at Wash
2: Park and it's all me doing something the the getting hit by the skateboarder was in the middle of the 100 and it was the 10 minutes I was left alone that entire 3 day period (laughs) Uh, so, and I texted Jason, no, Jason, I did not text him. Jason was doing the hundred with me because Jason's amazing and Jason, but I think I texted like one of my sport runners was like, Hey, I just got hit by a skateboarder and that was it. But then two days after, uh, we finished it's like, Hey, you're not going to hear from me for a while. I a pretty bad concussion. And I got, um, some comments on why that was not talked about before, but life lessons.
1: Yeah. Life lessons. But, but what I got here is that you've done uh, probably over a dozen half marathons, six full marathons, uh, a bunch of ultras, 10 to 12, and uh, and then a hundred mile race, too. So that's impressive. But let's talk about Colfax, because we have uh, Eddie and Josh here, and it seems like you have a very good uh, support family Not only with Eddie and Josh from the Colfax Marathon, but even beforehand. Uh, You had a running partner uh, that really supported you. And it seems like everybody comes to your your support. Yes. So let's talk about Colfax. And then I
2: mess it up and we find new ones.
1: (laughs) So how long are you both going to be around? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good question. We're going to have that talk (laughs) tonight. They're going to pull me
2: aside and be like... you're no longer welcome here.
1: <laughs> it depends on how long she'll have us <laughs> for. Oh, I see. So you're not going to bail. You're going to make her kick you off the team. Exactly. Okay. So <laughs> how did you get involved? Competition. With? How did this all come about? Where you s- supported uh, Julia? Uh,
3: I, I guess it's through through me. I guess. Yeah. yeah Run Club. Uh, we at Runners on, on Denver Col- uh, Colorado Boulevard. We do Run Club on Wednesdays and so i think you contacted us to do like a little presentation
2: yeah uh one of your sponsors i had just done runner's roost boulder last fall and i was supposed to make my rotation to all the other runners roost at some point uh and one night they're doing coo hills and my friend ellie who's with on running was going so i was like oh, i'll go see check it out whatever I met Terry and Terry is absolutely like one of my favorite people now. Uh, we bonded quickly over our ability to fall apart. I think is one way to say that. Maybe. I don't know. That's the
4: way
1: to put it. Oh, that's, that's, that's a good that's,
2: way. That's, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um,
1: Does Terry have a similar condition or, <laughs> <I don't, laughs> or did she just fall just, apart? I think it's just for okay. yes. She's,
4: She's just completely in alone. a good way. In a good way. For the most part.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, but Terry's also the mom and the best and amazing. So, uh, yeah. So we, I saw you and Terry, and she's like, "Oh well, you should come. You should come talk next week." And I think Eddie was like doing Eddie things, talking to all the other people going on. And then at the end, I was like, "Hey, apparently I'm gonna come talk, whatever." Um, I think that was the worst runner's roost talk I've ever done, but that's okay. I and thought it fine. was great.
3: But to each their own. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> it's fine. And then. I'm sure it was at that point I was already stressed about who was going to be running with me. Because I think that was after I had broken my arm. So uh, I had a sport runner, his name's Dan, that is an incredible runner and um, been a part of the journey. And he, like, is probably one of the more likely people who can average um, my paces. And it's not that, like, my overall pace is bad at all. It's the four to five minute miles that pop up um, during different parts and it's like if you can keep me within a mile of you you're good two miles whatever um and i think the biggest thing that dan had going for me was he had seen me crash at my absolute worst physically on some run nights and other things and has just kind of like been around for a lot of it so he can look and
1: crash medically
2: Okay. uh, You (laughs) got me worried because
1: of all the Watch Park stuff.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think everyone's going to be worried after tonight. (laughs) But like, we did a half marathon 10 days after I broke my arm. um, And I'd just gotten back from the hospital. And I hadn't been able to eat for like four days. So lots of things were not great about that. Uh, But we're at the start line and he looks at me... And I'd already driven Jason Romero to the park. And Jason was like, you, you just don't sound super awesome. Are you doing OK? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I had told Dan this might be a one-arm push. I don't know how this is going to go, whatever. But we're at the start line. He looks at me, and he's like, how you feeling? And I was like, I'm fine. <laughs> and he's like, really? Because you look like shit. <laughs> uh- and so, um, having people who, um, can help me see when things are detrimental or not, or at least, I don't know, whatever capacity. Uh, so I was very, very concerned after that run though, a couple races later that he wasn't going to be able to do it. And so I'd started, I think that's when runners Bruce came in and I don't know, Eddie was, I first talked about Eddie doing my team triumph. So pushing one of our kiddos in one of our chairs and we were going right. to, like, chinching right. use the relay team. And so I was organizing the My Team Triumph Achilles relay team, which simultaneously fell apart as I lost my three support runners. And so Eddie's like, yeah, just let me know if you need me. We'll figure it out, whatever. And biggest, like, why, why state of the you, day. Why did
1: you lose your three support runners? What happened?
2: Uh, one of them ended up with, like, getting more severe bronchitis going on. Another had a COVID exposure that... We wouldn't know if she would be able to run with me or not until like the morning of. Um, and this the, is
1: all coming up to Colfax, right? The week okay. of Colfax,
2: yep. Um, and then I can't remember all the... Another one ended up in the hospital for hydration issues and she was doing a 50 miler already the day before or something. Like I was already on backup mode. Uh, so, yeah. And then I think it was like a week before that, would have been the birthday party yeah, right. and so Terry and I are back to back birthdays so we did birthday party things and um, Josh and uh, Eddie and Terry got the uh, Julia medical experience uh, huh. crash course that night and what is the test,
1: what, is, what is that what is the crash course on that you learned
4: oh man ah. yeah, yeah I cool, to go that. So, I guess to put it simply, it would be understanding the levels of sugar as far as what's too much, too little, and then understanding and working with Julia as far as what she needs, whether it's insulin or, again, sugar or anything else. I mean, it was a long story, but we got to understand what her needs were and in a way be patient for her to communicate with us because she would go in now and, and she did a phenomenal job as far as letting us know what she needed and when when we weren't enough and to call for additional help. So
1: was it uh did you have to stop during the race a little bit to, to
4: No this was this was about a week, week and a half before oh, the race. Okay. So this is I think this is for me it was my second interaction with her and honestly it's been one of the best ones for me just because i've nice. come from a medical field mm-hmm. previ- previous to what i do now mm-hmm. so i i thoroughly enjoyed it and it was it was just an eye opener of what could happen to somebody who, you, who you've never met before and that has
3: medical, that needs medical assistance on and off
1: mm-hmm. how
3: about yourself yeah. Well, for me, I met her maybe one more time, more than Josh. But, uh know, that moment, it was one of those where coming from an, as an educator, as a teacher with the students, not knowing the conditions for certain students, being ready for whatever might happen, um, seeing that situation is kind of like more stay relaxed, stay calm, and knowing what we can do. So definitely CPR, um, first aid, that came in handy because we weren't sure what was happening but luckily Julia was on top of it as well so it was like a a team effort with Terry Josh myself and just figuring out what we could do to help her without freaking her out yeah I think I don't know you could tell me Julia if you were freaking out not knowing us that well it'd be like I don't know what they know what they're gonna do but I felt like we were on top of it if anything we were kind of was having fun joking around just to kind of not stress kind out of too so, much. I'm in the mood.
2: Eddie, Josh, and Terry came in a way that um, I don't see with everyone who comes into my world.
1: For what? How, uh, how's, in the medical how's the side? difference. Oh, okay, got it. So
2: I'm about to fly out to Georgia to spend a week with my best friends who, there was a point at which every Thursday night after church stuff, we were going to the hospital and it sucked. Um, and they were there for some really, really shitty moments uh, and like hard stuff. And um, but also like that's some of our best memories and times and jokes of, like, yeah, it sucked. We like, OK, move on. Next week we go up, okay. okay, dinner and drinks. But like anytime someone experiences like a Julia moment of, oh, crap, this is scary. You might end up in the hospital or you do end up in the hospital or like, whatever. I think. My biggest fear is that I'm too much um, and I'm not handling myself appropriately and well enough to uh, not impact others um, and to not cause additional trauma and to not like abuse relationship of like um, being like, well, you'll just take care of everything. You now. like I have to have my shit together. Like you're there for if something goes wrong, but like this is my responsibility. This well, you is you know your
1: limits, right? Uh, well, you know them, but I if you follow like, them, that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> oh, right, the yeah. challenge
2: <laughs> becomes, if I think the best way that I can describe this is a lot of um, asthmatics are familiar with uh, green, yellow, and red zones. So you do this little short breathing test to decide like what zone you're in. So I have that going on for four different conditions. And then I have that going on and it's impacted by other environmental things. So high heat for me can be an issue over time or it can be an issue like if I haven't been exposing myself to heat enough or it could be whatever XYZ thing is throwing those thresholds off. And then all of a sudden you go from like, yeah, we're technically in the yellow zone with this thing and yellow zone with this thing. But because those are together, we're now in trouble. And I think like I'm constantly pushing myself in ways of like, I'll just figure it out. Like I'm very, very used to living the, I'll get through it. I'll figure it out. It's okay mode. Um, And having people who are in a spot to uh, not go that direction with me is, is pretty like amazing and special. Like, Hey, we, we can support you in a way that helps us not do that versus uh, you know, I think, over 16, 17 years of dealing with disease processes like this. I did my grieving 17 years ago and it goes off and on. I've done my, I want to control absolutely everything. I'm going to try XYZ thing. And I've gone through that process with a few friends who come in and we, I'm doing well or I'm not doing well. And over time, like they have to go through that grieving process too. and. As someone who has been a friend to many who have conditions and who has been the uh, personal 911 at one point for some, it is not easy and I am, it does not, I'm constantly worried about putting pressure on someone else and making sure that they're not harmed by me.
1: Yeah. Well, it sounds like Eddie and Josh have done a great job. How was the race? How did that go? Uh... What were some of the highlights and what were some of the nah. <coughs> not so highlights? <laughs> i think say the combination of both
3: on that one, it would yeah. be, we definitely got our miles in that day. <laughs>
1: yeah, we definitely
3: did. It was, it was a good fun <laughs> lick. <laughs> as well.
4: I think all the, the negative and the downside happened after we had dropped her off.
3: Yes. Yes. Uh,
4: up until we were running with her, everything was okay. But... And by
2: that, they missed three flat tires and handed me off.
3: <laughs> and, and, and uh, we're missing a uh, inhaler, inhaler. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. mile 16 we found out that my respirat inhaler for one of my meds uh didn't have a cartridge in it so i was pre-treating with nothing um which eddie and josh don't know what that means for me like i mean they know their experience their personal background but like that's another thing Is like oh my gosh i just totally messed up you no know, they're gonna hate me whatever and it's like well it's just another challenge and so um yeah it's it's a constant everyone's on our feet and we're there's always a backup plan we're always like figuring out what's the next step
1: did you all run together the whole race or did you
3: take different parts of the race we we took different parts so a shout out to Veronica she's not with yeah. us right now she ran Leadville this past weekend the, the I believe it's a marathon
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, so she's taking today this yeah. week off but she also joined in with the group so we each kind of we use what's nice about colfax is they have a a relay within the marathon so we use their uh their sections where they do the baton passing right to kind of break down the marathon and we'll have places where we can each meet at those spots so in case someone cannot make it we can continue on or if they're there we can kind of quote unquote pass the baton which will be Julia's the, the baton. Right. And we just carry on. And that way we still be around for support in case there's anything else that she needs. That way, if she needs ice, uh, I think Coke, uh, Coca Cola, or anything extra, we can uh, at least have it at the next checkpoint.
4: Yeah. Yeah, we kind of did a combination of the two where Eddie did the first leg, I did the second leg, and then I was on and off with Veronica third leg and then I joined Eddie with a fourth so it was a little bit of both and we like Eddie mentioned it was a combination of acquiring what Julia needed as we went on and it just worked out really well up until the point where
3: me and Eddie dropped her off uh at mile 20 but as we I like to say we like to have things like at least on our end we want to make sure we're prepared for anything And so as soon as we passed, again, passed the baton, uh, and that was at the last 10K to go, which was by Mile High Stadium, uh, we kind of left Julie off and we're like, okay, it's off our hands, we're good. I think I've completed maybe 14 miles so far, and Josh maybe about 17. Yeah, I ran uh, in total. I think Josh I was not supposed to run. <laughs> so,
4: my, so with with me, it was I was kind of coming off some some shin splints. So I told Eddie prior to the event that I I wanted the shortest leg, and I ended up running. Well, the shortest leg. Is about, on the shortest leg, yeah, is this, by did, the way. He technically did give me the <laughs> shortest leg, at, which was a four-mile leg. I ended up running 19 total for the day, but I'm glad that I did. Um, it was unexpected. It was it was a good situation. We everything worked out well. My shins didn't hurt. Julie got to our point safely, and. It was just, I, I got basically an entire week's worth of miles in one
1: day. And you felt good about what you did that oh, day? Oh,
4: absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've... It was I've, fun. It was it, good. It yeah. was great. It was, it was honestly, she was having a good time. I'm a very sarcastic person, so I, <laughs> I, I I kept her laughing. It was one of my jobs for myself was keeping her in high spirits and good spirits. And I kept her laughing. I kept her, at least I think that I kept her in a good mood up until that point. Um, I, basically, I, what I what I wanted to do was what what I would want something to, what, what I would would want someone to do for me if I was in a situation where I didn't feel as good as I would want to.
1: That's admirable of both of you to do that. Now, uh, also, what happened after your last what your last ten <laughs> so.
2: My memory is my Did memory. Did they just but, leave you uh, off and oh, say, hey, no. you're
1: on your own. Have a good time. <laughs>
3: no. Hope you get to the like, finish line. Actually, let's in see. Get that in my head, head. I'm like, all right, see ya. <laughs> all right, it's off. My, it's our hands
2: are done. In see my head, I was like, oh, they're going to go to work. I'll see them at Runner's race later. I'll bring my, like, mimosas or whatever. Uh, they stayed. Uh, but uh, I think it was mile 16. I looked at Josh or someone, and I was like, oh, shit. We don't have an inhaler. Um, and the original plan, like, I always, like, have this idea of like, hey, here's the perfect setup. But one of the biggest struggles for me is, as Eddie, I think, like has been able to summarize is I'm thinking of a thousand things and having to manage a thousand things. So like doing that last physical step preparation that week before kept got being passed off. And then ultimately, like we're sitting there morning of in crisis mode of like, okay, let's have one of what we need. And then and I was super fortunate, like, Jess was sag wagoning for us to th- that day. So, Jess crewed the crew because Bill uh, Showers was another good friend who did a substantial amount of miles unexpectedly. Like, he was going to do um, as much as he could with me originally and, like, try and do the full marathon, but he wasn't planning on being, like, the only support. So, Eddie and Josh and Veronica, like, saved the day. Um, but mile 16, I think, was that. I remember we are going downhill and I was like, I'm pushing pretty hard. Am I this out of shape right now? Like, this doesn't feel good. I don't know what, whatever. And I don't remember how far I got with Mike, who was another last minute ad, and Bill, and was there another?
1: Yeah, you had we had crew. the bike pa- pacer Man, too. Man, you had a real crew.
2: Oh yeah, um, yeah, when you put the ask out. Uh, yeah, they don't know how returned, return, but. Uh, <laughs> So we were, like, mile 21 or something. And I was like, I feel like one of the tires is flat. <laughs> and we pull off to the side. Not after Denver police officers chewed me out for stopping in the middle. Fair. Uh, we pull off to the side, though. And what do you know? All three, all three tires were flat. Uh, mm. I don't know that, like. They were super, super low. The front one is kind of a pain in the butt if it's flat. So it's a tubular, but it's something that you can still push on. It's not really a big deal. And I've done that before. I've pushed. I mean, I did. I finished the Taco Bell 50K on two flats on the rears, but it does make it harder. We got the tires pumped up and I got it and I was like, there's something real wrong. Whatever. So Jess hopped in her car and brought me my day chair. So we finished with my day chair and uh, that was not the plan, and it, <laughs> but we finished, and I had to ask for help in ways that I don't like to ask for help. Like, I don't like it when someone else pushes me. Like, I hate yeah, that.
1: I hear you.
2: I have on many occasions told support running friends, absolutely not only a XYZ person would ask me that, but uh, I think I've been really, really humbled since breaking my arm of like, if I want to do things, and I want to still show up and I want it to still matter, I have to also um, be willing to recognize that I can benefit from that support. Um, yeah. And it's non-traditional. Like that's non-traditional completely.
1: Did you all
3: meet up at the finish line area or? Uh, so the, the biggest other scare that got us kind of freaking out was, uh, they suggest staying communication with what we needed we were, we were all sharing uh, Julia's location through her phone. We did not know her phone was died, her, her phone died. So when we grabbed the inhaler, the IV, we're like, okay, let's keep jogging. I know we're gonna add extra miles, but we need to see where she's at so we can give her what she needs. Because we don't know what, what's happening what what condition, conditions she's in. So last checked before the phone died was at mile, Think it was about twenty or so, just off of the Cherry Creek Path. So that's when I realized, oh, if we're gonna go out and back, that's another ten k to go. Yeah. So that'll push us easily twenty plus miles. Might as well do the whole. <laughs> by then, but um, eventually, just responded back. Says it's okay. Wait at the end. So at that time, we didn't know the condition she was in, though. So I went and um, went to the medical tent. And going back to what Julius says asking, does not like to ask for help. My, in my head is, I I may be cer- CPR first aid certified and trained, but someone at the medical tent is probably further trained than I am. Oh yeah. So yeah. I can help as far as I can, but if there's someone that's a, a professional, let them take over in case things happen. So I, I give them that information, uh, whatever I knew, give it to them and we all just waited in the medical tent right at the finish line. So we were just there, just talking to them. Uh, they were great, they were awesome. They kind of knew already what was going, happening. Yeah, uh, Julia has a QR code that does help for those that are professionals, for sure. For us, we we'll are start trying to break it down so we can at least understand it. Yeah. Uh, so that way in case a certain situation happens, we know what we need to do, but uh, We give it to them, they saw it, they understood right away. It's like, perfect. This is why they're professionals. As soon as she comes in to the finish, if she needs it, they'll take over, uh, have whatever they need. Oh, that's awesome.
1: That's awesome. Were you at the finish too?
3: Yeah, I was.
2: You like ran, what, a mile out or something? I remember seeing you at the finish and being like, oh, there's a face, okay. I can do this.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up, well, me and both Eddie and I, we, we probably ran an extra mile early on before we knew where exactly where she was and in the condition that she was. And then we ran back. And then when Eddie went to the to medical tent, I decided uh, probably about 30 minutes later to run towards the finish line or away from the finish line. And that's when I ran into her and as a her and, and the, the guy and the bike and I forgot his name but he was a super cool dude and John yeah John was a super cool dude and mm-hmm. he just had uh, her the best interest for her and it was just a, it was a good experience because then at, at, that, at that point I got to see her finish and I got to see her at least in good spirits and get through so at that point we knew that she was okay and again like Eddie said that the professionals would just kind of take
1: over from there job well done she's um, here tonight finished Colfax. That
2: was the goal? We are five weeks of no hospital stays or ER visits. Sweet. First time in seven months.
1: So what is... uh, I know you're on a mission. I know that uh, you're trying to get more wheelchair participation in marathons around Colorado. I think you and I talked. We had two wheelchair participants at the Maui Marathon this year.
2: I don't want to underplay how phenomenal Colfax was for me and how incredible oh, yeah. being invited to do that was. I think being able to look back and know uh, Cree and Andrea Cree has an incredible amount of experience. For them to trust me, to prepare and be ready and be on course um, is not a small small uh, compliment. Um and I also want to advocate that there's, I think, perceptions of, like, what you have to have to have chair athletes on a course. That course could be done in multiple different ways in different chairs. Totally fine. I stand by it could host multiple chairs. Um, I don't know what the future holds. That um, Like, the battle that I started was let's open the door first. Let's, let's just see. Um, And now there's a couple dozen organizations that are kind of in this process with us, I think. Um, And the biggest thing for me is that when my high school girl who spent eight weeks doing track season had nothing in her home state to say, oh, that's where all the chair athletes go or what, whatever. Like, don't get me wrong. There's amazing races, like green events. I will go to any race I can with them and, and 3W and all these incredible races. And, um, you know, I've had an incredible amount of support from all the runners roosts um, and all like the love is there and everything, but there's something different about being side by side with someone else who in some way, shape or form looks like you that day yeah. and is experiencing the world that day. And the biggest compliment ever recently happened when a friend, Mike, who is a pro hand cyclist for Team USA Paralympian has been in the process of getting his racing chair from Challenged Athletes Foundation. A few months ago, we're having beers and he's like, yeah, it's just really hard to find anything in Colorado about push rim. Like, I only know th- anything because I have friends who, you know, through my own life stuff, And I was like, yeah. And he's like, but there's this one race in Fort Collins. And that's the race that last year in August we co directed the first wheelchair wave in Northern Colorado for. It is the top of all the Google searches. And for someone to see a resource that, like, we started with just showing up, like, that's what matters. I am not Tatiana McFadden. I am not Sherry. I am not Krieg. I'm not any of the pros. Um, I have to specifically make sure races I'm doing with them like aren't going to pull me off (laughs) whatever if I don't finish in a certain time. But uh, like having that representation matters, and this sport is already um, disappearing in many ways. And um, I think that. I happen to be in the right place, right time, and have a big mouth. And have determination and tenacity in ways that, and resolve that maybe others just aren't interested in, or maybe they haven't seen it happen. So we made t-shirts, and on the back it says, um, fight for what you care about, but do so in a way that others will follow. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, which I just, I don't even know. RBG, yeah. and so just the idea of, like, if I show up, what does what's going to happen tomorrow? What could happen? If I show up today for this race, what could happen three years from now? Um, I foresee that the Mountain Avenue Mile will become a world championship level race for wheelchair athletes. I don't know what the future exactly will look like for that. I foresee many things that, like, are happening. Um, I'm not the only one interested in this. And, like I said, I have, a, I have a mouth and I have uh, 110,000 miles on a four-year-old car.
1: Well, you also said that uh, you're not going away. You're gonna be in, in people's faces, which is good. So good for you. Um, how can people find out more information about this?
2: So um, this summer in July, we're gonna have Junior Nationals, which is a big deal. It happens in the same city for two years at a time. It'll be the last time for a while in Denver. You can go to Move United's website and register to volunteer. You can come out and watch. If you have kiddos who have varying abilities of all kind, it could be visual impairment, it could be ambulatory, all those things, um, come out. There's gonna be a lot of clinics. It's not just track and field, it's a ton of sports. Um, And then on the other side of things, uh, if you have a race that you're like, hey, we have had chairs do it, or we want to have chairs do it, like we kind of have a running tally now of I think five marathons that are um, yeses, Longview, Windsor, maybe the Springs, Steamboat, and Aspen, and Colorado Marathon, I think.
1: Nice.
2: yeah, if you you know Achilles is a great place to come start to come run with us six p.m. Wash Park. It will change your life and you'll never look back.
1: <laughs> and that's not just for wheelchair athletes. That's no, for blind I was the minority and, and still
2: am the minority every yeah. for the most part. We have right. three total chair athletes that come out. Um, we I don't think have all made it to the same night before, uh, but yeah, it's it's fun. And if you want to learn more about like. Hey, yeah, I'm an ambulatory person, but I use a day chair sometimes and I use my racing chair. So just understanding that like inclusivity and adaptability isn't always about like, oh, you can't do X, Y, Z thing. There's just other ways.
1: Well, good on you for for all that you're doing. I think uh, you're making a big difference, (laughs) a huge difference. you. uh, You got a lot of people behind you supporting you.
2: I am kind of dumbfounded all the time, or flabbergasted, or whatever big word to use, by people who continue to show up, and show up even after. I'm like, we can't be friends anymore, I can't do this. I'm a horrible person, we can't do this. And um, I don't know if that comes from earlier life stuff, but um, I think Jason Romero and I were having a conversation and he said, Julie, what's your life purpose? Someone we'll just love others, I guess. I like, that's all you need to do. There you go. That's what, you know, and I think the coolest part for me is the journey that I've shared with Jason specifically and getting into ultras and just all the things and dynamics um, and him being a mentor the way that I think like Luanne was for him and other things like that. Um, for him to send me a text that night and say, congratulations, you found your path. Way to go, kid.
1: He's an amazing guy well thank you all for coming on Josh, Eddie thank you for your support of Julia and all that you do here at Runner's Roost thanks for having us you change lives, people come in and they never ran before and they get a pair of shoes how
2: much are we charging for autographs now Josh? you want autographs? Oh, yeah.
1: got to get a picture yeah, together anyone
2: can come Wednesday nights 6pm right, we do right have security here. and bouncers
1: yeah we do <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> You you can pay to
2: take
1: a picture. (laughs) Little dogs. We got Colfax and your dog and your dog. (laughs) We'll give you our
2: Venmos. (laughs) It's okay.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, thanks a lot for coming on. Appreciate it. And good luck to you. Thanks, Jim. Thanks
2: for having me. And
1: by the way, the show notes will have some of this information for anybody who wants to look at it. This episode of Feel Good Running, show notes, uh, feelgoodrunning.com. All right. Bye. Well, there you go, runners. What an inspiration Julia is, right? And thanks to Eddie Perez and Josh Gomez for their support of Julia and joining the podcast so you can get a better perspective of the support Julia needs while competing in races. And what is also admirable is that Julia goes way beyond her personal training in races and is working hard as an advocate for push rim wheelchair inclusions in more Colorado races. She is extremely passionate about this And with this passion, Julia has had great success adding a push rim division at the Human Race in Fort Collins, Colorado in 2021. And she is the director of the AWD side of the race. And the acronym AWD means Athletes with Disabilities. And I'm very happy to announce that in just a week on August 5th, it will be the second year with a chair wave in the Saturday races and the inaugural year for chair division for the mountain avenue mile this is a very wonderful accomplishment on her part and julia is on the panel next thursday august 4th for the elite athletes for the races this will be held at new belgium brewery in fort collins you know the home of fat tire and voodoo ranger beer stop by if you're in the area Now, do you remember when she mentioned Achilles International? Well, there are 42 chapters in 17 countries and 28 chapters in 19 U.S. states plus D.C. Check if there's a chapter in your neck of the woods. And if Julia's story has touched you and you'd like to consider getting involved, she would love that. Oh, and one final note. During our conversation, Julia made reference to Jason Romero. He is a blind runner here in Denver, and he's very, very, very fast and an amazing, inspirational human being and an incredible mentor to Julia I interviewed Jason in episode number 16 of the Feel Good Running podcast and I owe him a follow-up interview. So hopefully we'll get that out in the next couple months. I've added several links in the show notes for this episode and you can find them at feelgoodrunning.com. That's feelgoodrunning.com. Check it out. Julia, thank you for sharing your life with us. You are a rock star, and an inspiration to us all. Definitely keep rocking it. All right, runners, you know what time it is. Yes, it's time for our inspirational quote for this episode. And I have no idea who came up with this quote, but knowing Julia for the short time that I have, I must believe that this is a quote that Julia would take to heart. And she most likely said this to somebody at some point. It goes like this. Know me for my abilities, not my disability think about that. And let me repeat it. Know me for my abilities, not my disability. This quote fits for many, many people and not just athletes. So when you come across someone that may have a disability, don't focus on that. Focus on their abilities. Let them know how great their abilities are. And that will empower that person to become even more amazing. Well, runners, that is it for this episode. And again, if you enjoy the Feel Good Running podcast, please consider sharing it with your running friends and on your social media platforms. I would be so appreciative. And by the way, the podcast now has exceeded well over 30,000 downloads, a heck of a milestone. And it's all because of you wonderful listeners. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Well, good luck with your training, your races, staying cool on these hot days. And you know what? Just get out there and keep on running. And remember to be kind to everyone, even if some may not be kind to you. With all that is going on these days it's not so positive, kindness to one another is now more important than ever. And of course, running helps,
0: right? Peace. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please consider sharing this podcast with your running friends and on your social media platforms. To access the show notes that included all the resources and links for this episode and to access past episodes, go to feelgoodrunning.com. Until next time, keep motivated, keep focused, and keep on running. It is sure to make you, well, feel good.